Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Leela. And, and we, we are Both And, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the multiracial experience in America by discussing relevant topics in a safe space. Happy Multiracial Monday, everyone. Hey, guys. I was just telling Beth how sometimes I still feel like a child, <laughs> but adult life is real. I am 27 (laughs) and there are things we just encounter in life, life changes um, that we experience that really affect us as people and shape us and change us and all that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about major life changes and how they affect the multiracial identity. Yeah. So let's start from the very beginning of being born. Born. So being born to parents of varying races can be complicated, especially depending on what the races are and which parent is what race, because gender roles also have differing power struggles or places in the family based on that culture. Mm-hmm. Though, you know what? I recently read this article um, uh, from the New York Times about multiracial babies and how because their parents have different facial structures, different skin colors, they have better facial recognition uh, at a younger age than other baby than monoracial babies. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. There's a growing body of research that Lenny Z talks about in a New York Times op-ed uh, called What Biracial People Know. And it's and it starts like with the babies, Whoa. with the babies growing up in these different cultures or a mesh of two cultures with different people like all around them and how that makes them more creative and open minded and um, things like that. And I think I thought that was super cool. I was very happy to to read that. That's awesome. So you're saying, so what you're telling me, Leila, is that biracial babies are smarter. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm telling That's you, Beth. That's my takeaway. That's, That's what, what science is saying. Is saying. <laughs> <laughs> Unnamed scientific research. <laughs> um, but we all know there's so much value in diversity and having just different perspectives and people. And when you're a biracial mm-hmm. little baby, you get that from birth. You get that from the jump. Yeah. And I think identity development as the baby grows up, it depends on who the baby looks more like. Um, We've talked a lot about um, passing in previous episodes, and I think that plays a role in identity development for a kid growing up, where the family lives, what neighborhoods they're in, Mm -hmm. what the school's like, um, what the social groups and norms are like for the kid. But also, I mean, psychologically, kids go through different phases as they grow up Mm -hmm. and so in the beginning a lot of times it's about mom because mom provides the nutrients that the baby needs to survive Mm -hmm. and so the babies are really connected to mom and so they may not recognize it but they may identify more with mom and then for young boys they tend to in the early childhood phase they start copying their dad and they start wanting to do the things that he's doing and so you see through play that the kids are acting out different roles that are happening in the house and that also may happen racially based on different toys that they have or different language that the kid imitates um, that can also affect identity development and then in teenager stages and young adulthood who the kid has relationships with what side of the family are they closer to um, mm-hmm. who do they identify with more mom or dad or mom's side of the family or dad's side of the family um, and that can also play a role in how the kid identifies in teenagerhood it's mostly friends and that identity development social norms and social pressures are huge and the biggest currency for teens mm-hmm. so who the kids are hanging out with 
what the bonds are in that group, that's a lot of ties that can also hugely affect their racial identity. I'm thinking a lot about my brother right now, just because I think it's easier to look at his life and what because our lives mimic each other like we basically we grew up in the same household and went to the same schools for the most part except high school but like looking at his life I read somewhere as well I think it was Pew Research that multiracial boys don't identify as much multi like in the multiracial way than girls do but like everything you just said like so we just to uh, remind our listeners I have a white mother and a black father Mm -hmm. so we like grew up and they divorced when I was younger Um, so we grew up in our mom's household like we grew up in a white household and I'm thinking about my brother like he kind of had a diverse group of friends when we were kids in the neighborhood we lived in but then when we moved like in the very formative years he was he had like more white friends and I think my brother for the longest time identify i can i'm speaking on his behalf josiah i know you don't listen to this podcast so (laughs) get over it (laughs) you don't have anything to get over because you're not listening um but i think my brother identified as white more because of like the household we grew up in i don't think he felt super uh connected uh to my father and just his white he has a ton of white friends like (laughs) that's his community uh mainly maybe a couple black friends here and there but i think that yeah everything you just said has really shaped his identity Mm -hmm. to where he leans more white and instead of multiracial or black. Yeah. I know when I was young, I lived really close to my Asian family. And so I felt very connected to that side of the family. And we spent more time with my dad's family than my mom's family. Mm -hmm. But then we moved away in before I even started school. And so we would go back every summer and I would spend time with my cousins. But then as Mm -hmm. we got older and we all got involved in more activities, I wasn't spending as much time with my Asian family. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just spending time with my immediate family and and my household. We didn't because (laughs) because my dad is a Japanese man. He didn't cook. And so (laughs) my white mom did and my white stepmom did and so she would cook american meals and so and she was the one who kept the house and who decorated the house so she decorated the house um with her things and with what she knew and she Mm -hmm. cooked the recipes she knew so we didn't have a lot of asian influences in my house at my dad's house growing up um, because of that and so i started to identify with that less even though the curiosity was still there and the desire for connection to that part of me was still there can you tell the listeners about your upbringing because it baffles me (laughs) i think it is such a unique scenario and i'm i'm just yeah i'm just baffled by it so i think other people might be too um so my parents divorced when i was five or six i think five Mm -hmm. and my dad's japanese and my mom's irish basically red hair green eyes (laughs) (laughs) and so my mom moved back to her home state after they divorced for a year but then it was hard with visitation so we moved back to closer to my dad and so then they got a 50 50 custody agreement so i would switch houses every other day and every other weekend so it's been monday and wednesday at my dad's house and tuesday and thursday at my mom's house and then friday saturday and sunday we would trade off so i never slept in the same bed two nights in a row except on weekends that is wild to me <laughs> how how has that like really affected your identity do you think how you identify multi like multiracially and now as you are 
sleeping in the same bed every night. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> yeah. It's so convenient. But with a different, almost like, but now you're a married woman, yeah. you know, and what is, what is that like? So I think switching houses every other day, you don't realize it, but looking back, I was basically switching cultures every day mm-hmm. and not just to say Asian culture and white culture, um, but my mom and my dad had two very different worldviews, just cumulatively mm-hmm. how they viewed parenting how they viewed discipline how they viewed politics how they viewed religion or racial culture i mean and, and that kind of contributed to their divorce but i was switching cultures every day and so i got really good at code switching mm-hmm. and not necessarily in the conventional sense um, but just of learning how to talk at my mom's house or learning how to talk at my dad's house and my parents tried to co-parent but they weren't 100 percent successful at it and so the rules at their houses were also very different. So I learned how to blend in social structures and cultures on a daily basis because what was okay at my mom's house wouldn't be okay at my dad's house or mm. how we did meals at my dad's house was different than my mom's house or what the chores and the expectations were. And so and I didn't do it perfectly, but doing it from ages like six to 18 for 12 years you get good at it over time (laughs) um so when i was younger it was harder and there were a lot more fights and tantrums and crying um but by the time i was in high school i was used to it and i was used to switching houses and what the rules were and what the language was and what my expectation as a daughter or a child or a sister was Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that prepped me really well for the both and mentality yeah i just didn't have the language for it until recently and how does that play out now you have your own household we've talked about this a little bit where you have like japanese culture like spread throughout your house you've decorated with it but now you have a black husband and you kind you don't have your japanese last name anymore you have your beautiful new last name how does how did that life change did that like throw you any curveballs or did you just kind of like saddle into it like really nice it was weird Not getting married. I love my husband very much. But (laughs) it was weird in that it was nice having my own space and I was able to decorate it because my families chose to decorate and structure their households how they wanted to. And I really liked the both and mentality. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. I do have a lot of Japanese heirlooms from my family um, displayed throughout my house um, because those are important to me. But I also have a lot of family pictures and pictures of friends um, throughout my house as well. And my husband, we have different things from his family in our house. And so it's just kind of an amalgamation of different aspects of our lives. I think marriage is another big identity milestone, Mm -hmm. I guess, because I went from having a Japanese last name to now having a white sounding last name. (laughs) And so I joke and I say, yeah, I married a black guy and now people think I'm white. <laughs> so like at work, a lot of my coworkers assume that I'm white just because of my last name and because some of my facial features and only some of them who have been around um, Asian cultures or influences are like, okay, so this is your last name, but you don't really look white. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, no, I'm, I'm white and Asian. And yeah. Like, oh, okay. Okay. That makes more sense. And so in terms of my own house, it's been nice being able to express and explore my Asian heritage and my Asian roots uh, more openly and fully because Mm -hmm. I have the freedom to structure my house how I want. But it's also been interesting kind of 
being more incognito racially because my last name changed. Mm-hmm. Which means you now have more of an in with the white people <laughs> and you can catch them saying weird things. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not why we do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a spy, Leela. <laughs> <laughs> but you could be. <laughs> I'd be a very bad spy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think being born and how you were raised affects your identity development. Mm-hmm. I think getting married, if you choose to get married, affects racial identity development. And then one day when Will and I have kids. Oh, yeah. Like, I've talked to my mom about it and I'm like, yeah, like... My kids aren't going to automatically look like me. Their hair is, I'm going to have to take care of their hair differently than I take care of my own hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been learning, Will has let me etch him up once or twice mm. when he can't get into the barber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And he's letting me, but I it's recognizing that of like, okay, so now my racial identity isn't gonna like my racial makeup's not gonna change and how I identify is not gonna change, but how I view race and identity will change when I have my own kids. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of this when I was growing up, because when you said like your racial identity is not gonna change, my white mother her racial identity didn't change with multiracial kids, but she did at one point. There was a period of time where my brother was getting a lot of jokes. Because like he was in middle school and at the time our mom was deployed because uh, it was after 9-11 and the military went and did what the military does. And he had a picture of her in his locker and people, his friends were like joking him or like, oh, who's this white woman? Like, oh, who is that? Is that your girlfriend? Um, and Poor he was Joe. like, no, that's my mom, you know, and people for a little bit like didn't believe him. Until mm-hmm. they, like, came over to our grandma's house and, like, saw pictures of my mom. Wow. And when my mom heard that and, like, realized my brother was getting picked on and then eventually, like, saw... She, I am, I'm sure she saw... She experienced a lot of things that I don't even know about when we were children, when people were making comments and things. But she started tanning, like, a lot oh. to try and look darker yeah, for the sake of us so people wouldn't ask questions, you know? Mm. And it's just an interesting thing of like, I know when I have kids, I don't think if I have kids, which I hope one day I do, I don't think I would change anything about myself to, because I feel like it will be, it's a different time. Like people will be more um, Mm -hmm. aware of what a, what will a family, what a family looks like because the definition of a family and what we think a family is, is, is changing even now. Like, it's not like, a man, a woman, and two and a half kids, you know? Like, it can be whatever. So I think it'll be a different time for by the time I have children. But just the, I don't know, I'm just recognizing the sacrifice my mother made for us to try to make us comfortable. And I think maybe make herself comfortable so that people weren't asking questions or that my brother didn't feel um, like an outcast, you know? Yeah. And I think your mom did what she could from far away to try and be there like it sounds like your mom didn't make that choice to make herself feel better but to make your brother feel better yeah oh absolutely like she was trying to parent as best she could with what she had what while during that time Mm -hmm. and you're right we live in a different time and our last episode we talked about people saying like oh my gosh mixed kids are so cute and yes babies are cute regardless of what their race is but there are still struggles with parenting mixed kids and so i think 
how I view my race or how you view yourself mm-hmm. or how you view your kids. Cause shoot, we don't know what our kids are going to look like. We don't know what your kids race are going to be yet, but, yeah. but I think it just, it, it provokes a lot of self-reflection mm-hmm. and there's no saying like what our, how our families are going to react, not even just society. Yeah. And what, what our kids are going to perceive family reunions are going to be like or how they feel like they fit in because mm-hmm. um, their personalities may be different or and my kids may grow up in a different area than where I grew up and things like that. So I think there's just so many factors, but it does, you know, provoke a lot of self-reflection, like I said, um, that causes you to think differently about the world or see the world differently or think about yourself in new ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how much of an effect uh, effect our parents really have in our identity development or like I think as multiracial people probably as anybody like we can really trace things back to our parents and but I think as a multiracial child like when you're trying to figure out like what am I who am I why am I <laughs> where is Gamora um <laughs> that was a wrong quote <laughs> but when you're trying to like figure all that stuff out you really rely on your parents to construct your identity yeah and maybe in more ways than you realize and that's something i recently learned too so well yeah i mean that kind of brings us to the next major life event of when loved ones pass away Mm -hmm. so listeners if you didn't know (laughs) because you don't know me personally um my father passed away uh october 2018 so this past october and he I don't know. I think for anybody, losing a parent is hard. Yeah. Like no doubt, because mm-hmm. there's just the one of the one of the two people that helped bring you into the world is no longer in the world, mm-hmm. and that that obviously makes you think about your own mortality and like mm-hmm. the time you had. And I don't know. There's <laughs> this yeah. might be a little bit rough. I'm just I'm gonna be honest. Um, okay. But after like the initial shock of losing my dad there was a lot of identity things that I felt like I was grappling with um because my mom and dad divorced and because my dad moved away and like we would see him uh, a couple of like a couple of times a year we'd spend like the summer with him and stuff I remember one time walking like whenever I was with my dad I felt super confident because he just had a confidence that he like instilled in me and my brother and he just exuded this confidence but I know when I was with my dad people never questioned that I was his child Mm -hmm. which is not the same case with my mom even to Mm -hmm. this day when me and my mom go out together people assume we're friends they don't assume like we're mother and daughter Mm -hmm. where it was just very obvious like with my dad like oh yeah like those are his kids um so it kind of I almost felt like I lost my connection to my blackness in a way like and I know mm-hmm. this isn't the right way to think about it but this um this is not Just coming <laughs> yeah this is coming from an emotional standpoint not a scientific standpoint but I felt like I lost my link to the black world to my African-American family even yeah. I feel more of an imposter than ever before and like that's stuff I'm trying to work through and it's it really it makes me think it forces me to think like what is my identity rooted in other than Christ as a Christian but like who am I without my dad like without that mm-hmm. significant part of me you know and it's been a struggle yeah <laughs> it's been hard 
And that's real. Like, major life changes affect people so deeply. And the loss of a parent, it's kind of like that first feeling when you're riding a bike as a kid Mm -hmm. and your parent lets go and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. Come back, come back. (laughs) Um, And so how that affects how you see your racial identity and your ties to different communities is completely understandable. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's kind of like a, I, the things I think I value most about my African American side, I'm almost nervous that I'll lose without him. Even though I have still black family, like I said, it just, it just feels different. And it's like for my, I'm not married. I don't have any kids, but like to think about, my future, my children, what will they know? What will, are they going to lose out on anything because they won't have like grandpa like around to like teach them or like, they're not going to be maybe, maybe, I don't know, saturated in that culture. We really have no idea what the future holds, but uh, just kind of all these things I always thought were set in stone, like just kind of crumbled when with his loss. So now it, it, it's, I feel almost I have to be so intentional about mm-hmm. what culture I want my kids to know, what I want them to know, what I want them to grow up in and appreciate mm-hmm. and uh, experience. And that I don't even know if that might be too much. Like maybe I just need to be um, and just like let it happen. But these I think major life changes. It's interesting how you kind of our social identities. Everybody has different social identities. We all have multiple social identities. Uh, and it's just, I know for biracial people, those identities are very important. Yeah. So to feel them change or like to feel them morph or to feel like you lost one is is so interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting thing that I never thought I would encounter. I thought they would always be mine. But it was only recently, I mean, like I think maybe 25, maybe 24 is when I really started de- developing my multiracial identity. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say... I've always been this way or I've always identified this way. It's like a constant racial journey. I think we're all on. Um, And it's good to be, or at least be aware that with life changes, the way you perceive yourself might change as well. And that's okay. And that's okay. And I think it's good to take inventory of where you're at and what you're feeling um, and where you want to go from there. Hmm. So that's the challenge this week, listeners, of take inventory of where you're at, what has influenced you to get you to where you're at today, and where do you want to go from here? Mm -hmm. That's a good challenge. Let us know what you guys think. Let us know what you discover. Uh, We are on Facebook at We Are Both And. We are on Twitter as well at the same username. And then you can always email us if you want something more confidential at wearebothand at gmail.com. Until next time.